This is Lou Moore, president of the Washington Research Council, and I'm here today with Emily Makings, who is our senior research analyst. Uh, and a little bit later, we'll be joined by Larry Brown uh, with the Machinist Union. And today we're going to talk about uh, the global environmental impact statement process or the expanded SEPA process in Washington State. Emily was our staff lead on a report we did recently on expanded SEPA. So Emily, if you would, give us some background. Sure. Uh, In Washington State, projects are generally subject to review under the State Environmental Policy Act, or SEPA. And for the process, an agency like the Department of Ecology will consider potential environmental impacts from from the project that is um, looking to be permitted. And if there would likely be significant adverse environmental impacts, the environmental impact statement process begins. And the scope of the environmental impact statement process typically looks at direct, indirect, and cumulative impacts in Washington and specifically at the project site. Um, Finally, the agency decides whether to allow the project or not. This review can take months or years, depending on how big the project is. But in 2013 and 2014, the Department of Ecology expanded the scope of the environmental impact statement process for certain projects related to that um, incorporated coal and oil. For example, um, the Gateway Project at Cherry Point in Whatcom County and the Millennium Bulk Terminals Project at Longview. So the the expanded scope included the life cycle of greenhouse gas emissions and transportation and uh, impacts of transportation that occurs outside of the project area and even outside of the state and in foreign countries. So now we're looking at at the product that's exported through the project that is being permitted, not just the uh, impacts from the building from building, from manufacturing facility, or from the operations of the facility in future. So, and this this is being done at the regulator's discretion. There's no way of knowing what projects in the future might be subject to the expanded review, which increases an uncertainty for business, and also increases the timeline for permitting. Um, gateway the gateway project. Um, was first proposed in 2011. It, the SEPA was actually suspended this year. Um, they hadn't even gotten to the draft environmental impact statement stage. Um, similarly, the Millennium Bulk Terminals project was first proposed in 2012, and the draft EIS had, was just released in 2016. So even, even though environmental impact statement process can go on for years, um, Already, the expanded scope has already shown to increase the timeline significantly, um, which, as I mentioned, increases uncertainty for business and reduces our base competitiveness. Sure. Well, well, it's uh, it's uncertainty uh, at two points. There's no, there is not uh, total clarity as to who would fall under this expanded SEPA review in the future, right. and then how long it will take. I mean, those are right. those are two uh, two things that are not very good for uh, for business investors. That's right. Okay. Uh, any other anything else we should know about uh, expanded SEPA? No, I think that 
pretty much covers it. Okay. Well, that was Emily Makings, our senior research analyst. Emily, thank you so much. Thank you. We want to welcome our special guest, Larry Brown, today. Larry is the legislative and political director of the uh, Aero Machinists of Washington State, Local 751, as well as the Statewide Machinist Council. Larry, welcome to Policy Today. Oh, glad to be here. So, um, Larry, uh, before we uh, talk about this expanded SEPA, these global EIS uh, permitting uh, situations, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I'm a rank-and-file member uh, in the aerospace machinist manufacturing, working for that great airplane company, Boeing, and got active with my union, and uh, I, I am now working for the union as its legislative and political director. Great, great. Well, we really appreciate you coming by to, to speak with us today, and, and uh, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, the Research Council and, and, uh, and yourself, we have uh, a similar concern about uh, the imbalance we're seeing with some of this permitting uh, that's affecting, uh, affecting manufacturing jobs in the state. So tell me, Larry, I mean, how, how, what caused you to get involved in, in this issue of uh, of uh, industrial jobs and this expanded SEPA permitting? Well, I became aware of a permitting process change uh, on the Gateway Pacific bulk cargo terminal uh, project. And um, essentially, uh, the process had adopted this global EIS approach or programmatic EIS approach where uh, the product that was being shipped uh, from that terminal would be part of the evaluation for greenhouse gases, uh, no matter where the product went. And in this case, I think it was going to China. So uh, that bulk cargo terminal would have been shipping the coal uh, from the Powder River Basin uh, through Washington State, and instead of shipping it out of Canada, potentially would have shipped it right there from the Pacific Gateway Terminal. And uh, Washington State would have benefited from the jobs, not only for the building and construction jobs of building that facility, but the operation of that facility. So um, what concerned me was the potential for that uh, adopting that same process for potential new airplane programs at Boeing. Uh, we could anticipate the potential for uh, a building of a new facility to produce aircraft needing to jump that same sort of hurdle, regulatory hurdle, where the product that we would be exporting would be part of the evaluation for the greenhouse gases for every one of those airplanes for the life cycle of those aircraft. And that could be very prohibitive of us ever having another airplane program in Washington State. Sure. And uh, I, I guess in this instance, we're glad that uh, Department of Ecology has been uh, uh, selective in, in what uh, types of projects it's applied this global EIS to. But that's one of the problems, isn't it? That there's no business certainty in terms of who might be affected uh, by this type of an expanded uh, SEPA. It seemed uh, rather arbitrary to us. And... Uh discretionary, and we wanted to see a more certain approach.
So, um, so have you have you seen impacts then? Have you seen impacts that are that are negative to workers? Well, I think we have already. Certainly, the termination of um, the progress on the Gateway Pacific terminal. Uh, I'm not certain that that's going to move forward. Those are jobs that are needed, and we're not going to have those jobs, apparently. So, so uh, Larry, tell us a little bit about, uh, about the jobs that we uh, possibly will not be getting. Well, certainly the construction jobs to build the facility, but then there are the facility jobs. You know, what we would have hoped for would be jobs that machinists could uh, engage in, facility maintenance and operation. Uh, certainly there's potential for longshore jobs there as well. Yes, and what kind of uh, wage levels and benefit, what kind of, I mean, what kind of jobs are these? We are talking about union wages. That means living wage jobs. Mm-hmm. So, so these would have been uh, unionized employees, and and they, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're saying they're the kind of jobs that machinists could be looking at, they would be very good jobs, but they're they would not probably require a bachelor's degree or something like that. Well, is that absolutely, true? Absolutely, that is true. Uh, post-secondary education of some kind, maybe apprenticeships, uh, but uh, these are jobs that do not require a bachelor's degree. Uh, you know, we would anticipate jobs that would equal 25 to $35 an hour. Of course, we'd have to negotiate those kind of wages. But uh, without the jobs, you don't have the opportunity to negotiate for the wages. Sure. And, uh, and isn't it true that, that when, when these projects don't go forward, other kinds of jobs or potential jobs are affected in terms of, in other words, if a facility is built, a rail line is built to accommodate that facility to move coal, it's still, that there are other benefits. Am I right about that? Absolutely. And I think economists refer to it as the multiplier effect. I know in manufacturing, it's generally accepted that for every good manufacturing job, you're going to have two and a half other jobs. And those are jobs on Main Street, at the car dealership, uh, in the hardware store, uh, the person that's going to put the addition on someone's home because they have a good enough job to add a mother-in-law apartment on their house. So it's that sort of uh, jobs that uh, we miss out on. Sure. And uh, from what I understand, Larry, as well as is missing out on some of those jobs, we're missing an opportunity to have the folks that want to move this coal overseas pay for infrastructure improvements that could be used by other industries that, that might want to, in turn, do export. In other words, some of the rail uh, improvements as well as the port facilities. Am I right about that? That's exactly correct. We saw during the 1990s when the Northwest Rail Project brought the uh, Euro trains to Washington State that currently run between uh, Oregon and British Columbia, those passenger trains uh, created a revenue stream that built uh, infrastructure to allow grade separation for the trains. Uh, Currently, with the coal trains, for example, those coal trains are running every day, but they don't stop here in Washington State. We don't have the opportunity 
to find a revenue stream from that that we can use to create grade separation overpasses and sure so, so uh, and just so folks understand what you're talking about when you say grade separations uh, we're talking about those situations where uh, in certain communities now and even some fairly large communities all traffic comes to a halt when the train comes through town when you have a grade separation the train goes over the highway and does not affect uh, you know either pedestrian or car traffic is that yeah, right absolutely Edmonds is probably a real good example of that where they need some grade separation, but uh, the revenue isn't there to uh, to create that. Downtown Seattle mm-hmm. has problems. Uh, there at Lander, where uh, you have a, a massive amount of rail traffic, and uh, that interferes with the movement of freight out of the port of Seattle. Mm-hmm. So we're talking then about tax revenues that we're missing out on, as, as well as just. Being able to plan for other things in the future involving new infrastructure because the infrastructure is being paid for by this commodity. That's true. Yeah. And I guess the other thing that that always makes me wonder, I can certainly understand the concern that people have today about climate change when when we're talking about coal, but are the recipients of this coal, are they not going to use coal because the Department of Ecology is keeping uh, Washington State uh, uh, businesses or workers from participating in that? I mean, do you think there's any chance that that the greenhouse gas levels are going to be affected by this? That's the problem. I mean, we would love to see some effective public policy with respect to reducing uh, the greenhouse gases and uh, reducing our carbon footprint. Unfortunately, this is symbolic uh, and is not going to stop China from burning coal. It's merely going to prevent us from benefiting as far as the jobs are concerned and the business is concerned uh, from that coal. Yeah, and my understanding is, is, and I think what we would probably be talking about routing some of these products or more of them through Canada, that in Canada, it's a lot easier to get a facility built in a lot shorter period of time. And there's a lot of competitive advantages that are beginning to be put into place for Canadians because the government is not interfering with the processes there like it is here. Is that your understanding, too? Look, in Canada, there is an 18-month clock that when a project is proposed, that a decision will be rendered within 18 months. I think that that's fair. If you can't figure out whether or not a project should be approved within 18 months, that's ridiculous. Uh, So we just think that there should be time certain in terms of the amount of time it takes to um, approve or not approve on these projects. Mm-hmm. And so in the case of Gateway, well, what have we been looking at there? I think it's like four to five years. Yeah, and, and a lot of money, too. This uh, is private investment money uh, that we're asking private investors to put on the line. I mean, they've spent tens of millions of dollars in this approval process that just stretched on for what seems like, I'm sure, for them forever. And these jobs are needed in that community. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So how are we going to turn things around in Washington State, Larry? Well, I think that uh, people that are like-minded about this issue need to put pressure on our regulators, need to put pressure on our legislature to uh, create a more certain process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, business, uh, uh, my experience is in dealing with businesses, 
And of course, we have a number of businesses that are uh, the, the foundation and members of the research council. But business can deal with regulation, does, is not opposed to regulation per se, but if it's uncertain or unevenly administered, that's when it becomes problematic. And in turn, that, that affects the working people as well. Look, uh, in the labor community, you know, we're the ones that are affected first and foremost by the environmental impact of industry. So we uh, certainly uh, want our industries to be environmentally sound, not to create hazards for our community, because we're not only inside the fence, we live next to the fence of whatever that facility is. Sure. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I, what we need a climate of certainty on that. I think we can agree. Larry, I'm grateful you came by for a few minutes here at the Research Council. I look forward maybe to speaking to you again on some other issues. But thank you so much for joining us. Today. It's great to talk to you.